Welcome to the Empowering the Future of Work podcast from InTech Ideas. The world of work has changed dramatically for companies and their team members. It's almost like someone hit the fast forward button, creating a new normal for work. The challenges we're encountering are endless, but there is a better way. This podcast focuses on tips, tricks, and topics to help you to excel in this new normal. We'd love for you to join us after the show when we host discussions about each topic on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now let's get started. Hi, and thanks for joining us. This is Skip Marshall with InTech Ideas. Today, I'm here with Ben Paloon from Optimus Solar. Hey, Ben, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Now, it's, we've got the benefit of, of knowing each other, both, both personally and professionally. And, um, you know, Optimus Solar is a relatively new business, but you guys are doing well. Tell us a little about Optimus. So Optimus is fascinated by what we call virtuous cycles, principally in the business realm. And that kind of can describe how and why we're here. We really believe both quantifiably and then you always have to touch on the emotional side of things that solar and electric vehicles for businesses and for individuals help create a virtuous cycle of investment and medium-term benefit, which allows reinvestment, which allows medium-term reinvestment. And when one's looking at almost any business, I think, especially one with any type of assets, one wants to strive for that type of cycle. And so that fascinates us. It motivates us. And the core of our business is educating, selling, installing commercial and residential solar energy and electric vehicle charging stations. So that's the less highbrow way to describe what we do. And we have a little team here that really just tries to work with people on that exact cycle. Now, so Optimus focuses specifically on on solar and electric vehicle charging stations, as you mentioned, both residential and kind of commercial setups. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the impact of, you know, really green energies on the future of work and, and how it really connects back in. So one, just a real practical example um, is around business continuity. Um, tell us how your solutions really specifically address business continuity for organizations. It's a big one for us across almost any industry even before this newfound distributed workforce really accelerated in the last six months, simply because solar and electric vehicles and battery technologies are now to the point where uh, I can be up and running. Let's take the software industry or, or different elements of it. I can be up and running from my home, from an office, from any of these alternative locations with um, less capital required than ever before and and really seamless and secure environments. And so you go into, let's say now you have somebody working from home for a year. You know, we're working with a lot of folks right now on that exact thing. And, and you say, okay, let's not go crazy. Let's not try to oversell some solar solution, but let's take your home office and let's take your, you know, master suite and let's put it on a solar and a battery solution that's going to allow you to have confidence that if you need to work from home for any period of time, you're going to do that. And oh, by the way, the finances of it look good. And oh, by the way, by the way, let's talk to your employer uh, or place of work, not looking for a handout, but saying this, the, the continuity story here is so powerful, especially when you look at it relative to what a lot of companies have to allocate cost-wise per head to larger centralized offices 
Um, and not that there's not value in that human human interaction. I don't know enough about that side of things, but that's been a real bright spot for us in terms of the ability to educate people on the value of these things. Now it'd be interesting to, to look at it specifically from that perspective, but you know, it's businesses are often subsidizing home offices or home expenses um, in their you know, home office setup, but it's been kind of relegated to monitors or laptops or things like that. Um, but the the potential for expanding that as we look at, you know, specifically how COVID and this pandemic has forced many business to be go to go entirely virtual um, to really create a, um, a a more standardized model for employees to work from home and allow them to be uh, much more stable. Right. We, we're both in Florida and. and uh, electrical strikes or bad storms or any sort of thing can cause power issues. And, um, you know, you'd mentioned that as the, a potential benefit. And then we look at it also from a cost perspective, it's, it's much more cost effective now to put these solutions in place. Um, so it's, it's powerful. Now I know that you specifically got into to green energy because of some personal interests, but for, for businesses, there's also, really um, kind of a marketing perspective or other benefits in terms of positioning their business. Tell me a little bit about your perspective on that and how that can help businesses. It's one of the ways we lead, we lead the discussion simply because uh, many people react to those types of headlines. Uh, of course, one, from my standpoint, integrity wise, you have to make sure that the headlines are accurate. Um, I had a chuckle yesterday Duke, there's a headline. I love Duke Energy. We work with them all the time. There's a headline that they're transitioning all their electric vehicles, all their vehicle fleet by 2030 is going to be electric, all their small stuff, half their big stuff. And it kind of reminded me of that, that quote, never trust a skinny chef, right? Like <laughs> if Duke, if, if an electricity um, uh, generator and distributor isn't rapidly and, and, and quickly moving to electric vehicles, you know, that it, you, you sort of scratch your head and you think, well, have you looked at the business case, right, of these? And so that was a case where I was just chuckling. They were turning it into a marketing, you know, PR, going going green type thing. Well, I was like, well, it's sort of straightforward. But for a non-energy type company, uh, this story that one tells, right, we're all to a certain extent in the storytelling business. The story one tells around this is powerful because you install a PV system, let's say on a, on a small office where you have these remote hubs now. And now that money that was leaking out to electricity bills or other things is staying in the community or being paid to team members or being reinvested in the company. Um, and let's say that those, you know, some of those team members then buy an electric vehicle and they're charging it at the office or charging it at their home. Well, guess what? It costs a fifth or less to run that EV than it does to run an internal combustion engine. So all another thing I love about this industry is, is you just never have to talk politics because you're just talking basic math and, and, and reinvestment. So now that money that was spent on transportation is now, again, remaining in the community or in a household and people have more flexibility to make their own decisions. And so we, we talk about the marketing benefits of it tremendously from a headline and these sorts of things. But just as much, we talk about the, the internal marketing for your own team and, hey, here are, yes, we are making this investment. Yes, we're adding to our balance sheet or whatever the case might be. But at the end of the day, it's for the benefit of our employees. It's for the benefit of the company. It's for the benefit of the community. And when all three of those things win, guess what? The clients win. Well, and it ends up being, you know, solar and electric vehicles and the green energy solutions really become a pragmatic solution, right? So it's 
it is uh, very easy to understand why you would do that. And then from a, you know, looking at it from a promotion perspective and how organizations and you gave your example of Duke Energy promote their investment in those areas. The interesting thing is, is that, you know, we talk about where the future of work's headed and it's not a single stakeholder. It's not just about your shareholders um, and organizations, you know, getting that opportunity to promote how they're actually making a meaningful impact is, is important. Um, and I think that actually feeds into your um, kind of primary focus about your virtuous cycle. And you mentioned that brief, uh, briefly earlier. Tell us a little bit more about that virtuous cycle and how that, that kind of applies. So we want, you know, at the end of the day, in, a, in, in any type of free society, people are seeking choice or optionality or whatever terms one wishes to use. And we talk about a virtuous cycle in a, in a way that, of course, helps our ends. I mean, let's be honest. But we talk about it primarily because solar and EVs help keep money in a domestic economy, irrespective of where one lives. It's not an America versus anybody else comment. It's just agnostic. Where If you take the, take the local farming movement, right, which over the last 20 plus years has, has gained tremendous momentum, even to the point now that they have these hyper-local classifications within 50 miles if things are sourced and produced. Well, why? Simply the, the costs are less, as long as you can produce effectively, the costs are less. You don't have the transportation burden. You don't have these things. And so when you look at something like solar in a virtuous cycle, specifically in Florida, our power comes from natural gas, comes from nuclear in some cases. A hundred percent of these things come from outside of our state in our case. None of them are available here locally. Like when I lived in South Africa, almost they don't, I mean, they all drive cars. They, they, they distill a lot of their coal and get a lot of their vehicle additives from that because it's the only thing present. Otherwise, you have to import everything. And so without getting off topic there, Virtuous Cycle for us is all about looking at ways, business or personal, that investment can be made to keep future dollars in people's hands or giving them the option and the flexibility to do other things rather than build another pipeline and just send money out of the community, out of the community. Not that not there's anything wrong with the value add of trade. It's just if a if a better quality, better producing, lower cost local option exists, it's really your responsibility, I think, to explore that, especially as a business owner. I think it's really interesting because it's it again going back to my comment earlier. It's about that pragmatic solution, right? It just makes sense, um, and we're using options that that are um, doing doing the right thing by all the stakeholders in a business now. You guys are are interesting to me specifically because the space that you're in is probably one of the most rapidly evolving spaces that we see uh, because there's so much going on and so much new technology, um, you know, and, and the the pace at which new stuff comes out is uh, pretty dramatic for your space. How important is, you know, keeping pace with that training for your team members what are the, some of the challenges you see around that? I know it's it's uh, probably difficult to keep pace with all of that uh, constant change and new stuff. The wise input that I received, certainly certainly not my idea, on that is yes, we face tremendous we face rapid changes in what we offer. You know, we're not we're not writing the code for our software products. We're not manufacturing our parts. To a certain extent, we're reselling or on selling and packaging things together and installing. And, and just based on those time horizons, resource 
uh, let's say we had unlimited resources, you just don't have the time available to go and do a specific separate employee training and then apply those those ideas and then do an employee training and then apply those ideas. So really for us, it's how does a business owner in this space hire smart entrepreneurial people, provide them the context of the situation they're going in to whatever it might be, give them enough information to run with, and then say go and and learn it as they go. Now clearly you have to learn it in a way that's beneficial to the client not detracting from the client. So you, of course, you're not going to send someone out in the field in any capacity that um, doesn't know what they're doing. But I mean, there are countless examples where we'll sell a product to somebody on March 1st and by April 30th, you know, which is not a long lag for doing things like permitting and, and, and engineering and all these things, the technology's already changed. And so you don't, you just can't go and, and, and train separately on these things. It has to be an ongoing thing. So in terms of the future of work, what we're trying to do internally and be better at as, as managers and as owners is giving our team members the context of what they're dealing in. Okay, here's the core solution that, that the customer is looking for or the problem they're trying to solve. Yes, we have this litany of tools available to them, provide them, you know, how those tools can be best applied. And then ultimately, when the rubber hits the road and we get to the install, you know, there's there's a trust built that we are going to install the right, the exact right component for that. Now, you you, you made an interesting point about, um, you know, you go and do an install and stuff changes right after there. You know, so how how is the industry working to... Um, I don't know that you can fully future proof it, but, you know, there's there's people out there that are going to say and sit and wait for the next one to come out before, you know, um, you know, before they actually make the decision. I don't know. You saw a couple months ago, Ford Ford premiered their F-150 hybrid and electric trucks coming. Right. And I'm not I don't drive an electric today, but I've always been watching them. And, you know, I've had many of these conversations. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, man, I could I could see myself getting that electric. How do you how do you have that conversation with people about being ready for you know making that decision and dealing with um, you know the potential fear of buyer's remorse that they're going to get old technology because it's going to change so fast? Sure, we have to to answer that. We have to separate the electric vehicle space from the solar energy space. Okay. The solar energy space is relatively straightforward because almost always mathematically and emotionally and otherwise the utility that a person is going to receive from that solar system between now and whenever point X in the future exists that the technology is better is larger than either the technology improvement or the cost reduction, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, why would you, along the same lines, I mean, you own a laptop or presumably doing a call like this on a laptop, that's improving still today faster than um, solar energy technology. But you're not not buying a laptop because you have a, a usefulness and a utility for that piece of equipment while the industry is still improving. So um, you just have to, and, and then you also, we go and show people, look, it does improve, but here's the incremental percentage improvement and here's the incremental percentage improvement. Um, and, and almost always those numbers tease out that it's better to get a, a good rate on something now, go ahead and do it 
but design it in a way, take batteries, for example, where you design a system where if you come back and add batteries, you're not going to incur redundant costs other than another trip out, which is unavoidable in any business. Um, you just have to design it responsibly for the client's end goals. That's the solar side. On the EV side, it's it's one of two things. You either, um, I mean, if I would have said this 20 years ago to, to myself 20 years ago, I probably would have laughed, but you either buy an electric vehicle that pushes over the air updates and always is improving their vehicle or you lease it. Um, I would have never said to somebody lease uh, internal combustion engine simply because it is a it's a it's a large physical asset that has, you know, however many 200 plus moving parts, whatever it might be. Really, in a lot of EVs, you're leasing a battery and a, and a computer and how much better or more effective are those two parts going to be in three, five years? And how much more can a manufacturer do with a battery or an, or a computer that they can take an upgrade versus, you know, Ben Palloon on the street or Skip Marshall on the street. So, I mean, especially from a business side, I mean, the leasing of EVs just makes real strong sense. Again, unless you have certain, there are certain companies out there. I try not to mention any companies just in general because people have their preferences that do a very good job of, of improving their asset remotely. So that's kind of how I answer that. Go ahead. Well, and it, se- it seems that some of the, some of the manufacturers though are, they're trying to deal with that by preloading equipment in, right? Like going back to my, you know, I'm not hesitant to name names. Going back to my Ford example, the F-150, you know, they highlighted that it's it's pre-ready for their self-driving module, right? So they're loading it with the hardware and they will be doing over-the-air updates. And I know the other manufacturers are doing that as well. And that's a pretty common common thing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you, I guess with that, you have to anticipate those features coming to have the <laughs> hardware ready to support the software. And the beauty, going back then to the virtuous cycle, I know that we were really talking about uh, future of work and, and other things. The virtuous cycle is think about the last car that you purchased where the manufacturer said, hey, in six months, we're going to make this a lot better. And, oh, we're not going to charge anything for that. That's where we are with EVs. Right. And so I just I, I really treasure the opportunity to talk about these things because I mean, th- those concepts are so exciting. They're so apolitical. And every industry now has been turned political, which is a, a, a downfall of our society, which is a different podcast altogether. <laughs> but, uh, Whole other topic. Yes, exactly. But there's, it, it's a, I mean, just, just that comment alone, think about that. I mean, here, I'm going to sell you a product and oh, in six months outside of you or someone else physically wrecking it, it is going to be better than it is today. And, oh, you don't have to pay more for that. I mean, that's powerful. So that, that kind of leads me into my last question um, and want to get you to kind of look out in the future. What are the what's in the future of EV or solar or any, really any green technologies that you see coming that will make a difference to businesses um, that kind of get you the most excited? What's coming on the in the, the near future here that you know people should be paying attention to? Two areas. One is for smaller businesses. The other is necessarily at scale. For small businesses, the transition to EVs and the value that businesses are going to get in cost reduction and safety improvement is of an order of magnitude that many people don't understand. 
And so we're going to talk about being able to make and deploy investments at relatively small amounts of money and get outsized returns in the form of reduced operating expenses. And when a business can improve and at the same time reduce its operating expenses and reinvest that in people or initiatives or future development, what an amazing thing for the economy and, and for people in general. So that's at the, at the, at the smaller end of things. At more at scale, people can talk about 100 different ideas, probably many of which are very valid. Things that I find fascinating that would resonate with individuals is I'm quite bullish on the medium term potential for vehicle to grid technology. So, you know, I've got a hundred and some kilowatts of batteries sitting in my garage every night. That's essentially a dead asset while I'm not driving and being able to use the energy in there in power outages to smooth the grid. Here's a good quantified example. It will take as little as 10% EV penetration paired with the right charging schedule model, meaning off-peak hours and, and high solar and wind production hours to almost completely smooth the electricity consumption curve in big parts of the country. What does that mean for people? Well, it means a heck of a lot cheaper electricity without doing anything. Um, it means uh, far less wear and tear on investments that utilities have made and, and, and on down the list. So at scale, I really look at vehicle to grid technology as, as having a lot of potential. And then also microgrids, specifically take your industry where, where I think I heard in one of your other podcasts, we're producing and storing more data every two years than in the previous history of man combined, right? And in order to do that, clearly the computing power and the energy required to do that's extraordinary. Well, companies are setting up their own microgrids with, with renewables and with batteries at a far lower cost of energy over the life of that and being able to provide flexibility to utilities who give us a, a very valuable service and otherwise. So when you look at scale, it's, it's almost endless. Uh, those are two longer answers, but I think important to for people just to think about because if nothing else, they're fun. Yeah, uh, it's and again, I, I think the the theme of this conversation, at least for me, is is pragmatism. This stuff, the the solar and electric vehicles are becoming pragmatic choices here, and certainly will help um, businesses to have, make better opportunities opportunities and uses of their money and their cash and their investments um, and put it to work in different ways. So it's. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how all this takes shape over the coming years. Uh, ben, we're about out of time. So uh, any kind of parting thoughts you want to share? Appreciative of what fellow business developers like InTech do. And it's a privilege to talk to you guys and just a lot of fun to talk about stuff like this. So thanks for having me on. Excellent. And if you want to connect with Ben, all his information is going to be available in the show notes. So definitely take a look and, and you'll be able to connect on the various social media channels and uh, reach out and continue the conversation. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Empowering the Future of Work podcast. Don't worry if you think you've missed something. We include everything in the show notes. You can also participate in the conversation by heading over to intechideas.com and clicking on the podcast link. You'll find information on each podcast plus links to our social media channels to continue the discussion. Finally, make sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. Until next time.